This is The Adam Ritz Show, a public affairs talk show touching on community, health, foundations, and more. The Adam Ritz Show is underwritten by Vibonomics, an audio out-of-home advertising marketplace and audio experience company. Info at Vibonomics.com. And now, from the Vibonomics studios, please welcome your public affairs radio host, Adam Ritz. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Adam Ritz and I'm so glad you're joining me for this cruise through the public affairs world with Jay Baker on the phone joining me. Jay, what's happening there, my man? Well, I am enjoying my fall and looking forward to Halloween and all the great things that happen during fall. So uh, this is my favorite time of the year. I'm not sure I could be in a bad mood or you know, not looking forward to. Well, that challenge accepted. I'm going to get you in a bad mood here in the next half hour. (laughs) Okay, Uh, good. And yeah, you mentioned Halloween. We'll do our big Halloween show next week with uh, Halloween following on, falling on a Monday night this year. We'll have plenty of time to uh, have our affiliates air the Halloween episode on the weekend uh, leading up to that Monday night of, of horror and trick or treating. Uh, But for now, uh, we're certainly going to talk public affairs. Might might touch on some Halloween issues. I don't. I don't know. You've always got such great topics to bring to the table, Jay. I don't know what you're going to talk about this week, but I wanted to start with a little bit of a, a shout out to the country music uh, industry for their help and their work this week to raise money for the Fort Myers Beach relief. And I might need your help uh, on this because I don't. I don't know country music that well. I. I I'm not ashamed to admit that I'm not a country music fan, and I apologize to our listeners that are. Uh, it's just never been my thing. Now, I sure. know you've got you've got classic rock and rock in your uh, in your back pocket from 40 years of doing classic rock radio. Uh, do you know anything about country music or country radio? I know a little bit about it. You know, uh, famously, uh, and this may or may not be pertinent to your story. Uh, you know, as the as the way that we got music changed, country music was the last stronghold of people going out and buying albums. So it made many of the modern country stars very well to do and very influential because people would actually own, uh, you know, a, a sort of a piece of their favorite artist. Well, and that's why the, the artists have become, I would use the word insanely popular. Well, they, like, Garth Brooks was the, the shining example of just people absolutely loved him. And, and I think it's interesting how influential they can be. Well, that's for sure. And I can, uh, even though I'm not a fan of the genre, I can appreciate the fact that Garth Brooks can sell out a, a football stadium three nights in a row. Oh, yes. Uh, and there's not many, uh, many of the bands that I like that can, that can do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm so, with you. So that's fine. I appreciate that. There, here's a list of some country artists that got together this past week in uh, Nashville for uh, a concert benefiting the uh, Fort Myers Relief Fund. So Fort Myers Beach Relief Fund. Uh, and I don't know. I know a couple of these names, but uh, maybe you'll know more than I. Uh, MC Big Vinny, which I love his name, Big Vinny. Uh, I love the name. I'm not as familiar with his body of work. Blake Essie, Emily Earle, Nate Kenyon, Julia Cole, Megan Lindsay, Lance Carpenter, Walker Hayes, Ashley Cook, uh, Jay Allen, and uh, Kylie Morgan. 
among others, uh, performed uh, this past, uh, I believe, Monday evening in Nashville for uh, the Fort Myers Beach Relief Concert. So That's excellent. Even though I'm not uh, into country, I certainly uh, appreciate their efforts and what they've done. And uh, I'll take my not only my hat off to them, I'll take my cowboy hat off to them. <laughs> um, now, the specific charity that, that, received, that benefited from this show was the Fort Myers Beach Women's Club. And uh, I did go to their website, and they are still taking donations. And, of course, you know the damage Hurricane Ian uh, did uh, several weeks back. They'll, they'll be cleaning up, and they'll need as many uh, resources as they can for, for months to come to help the cleanup and the relief. So if you'd like to donate, uh, they do have these cool, especially if you have friends or family in the area, they've got these cool We Are Fort Myers Beach Resilient shirts for sale where their proceeds uh, go to the charity and to the relief fund. So right there on the website, there's a donate button, fmb-wc.org. And that stands for Fort Myers Beach Women's Club.org. It's fmb-wc.org. And I'll put a link to that uh, when we post this show on our website in the description of the show. We'll have that that URL and that website uh, that you can click to it right from our website, adamritzshow.com. Fort Myers, be strong, Jay. Yeah, and hats off to all the volunteers that have dug in to help restore power. And then uh, I thought one of the more incredible stories is Fort Myers Beach and that surrounding area. There are some very wonderful islands that people like to live on, and their causeway was literally wiped out in the storm and uh, a bunch of engineers and construction people got together and they got some of that causeway already rebuilt in record time so it is impressive how we can come together as a nation and help those that need help and you know when the hurricane hit i had mentioned that my parents lived down there and and uh, we're on uh, they have a house on pine island which is in the the eye of the, I mean, the, I guess, ground zero is what you'd call it, where the hurricane right. hit. Uh, Sanibel, Fort Myers Beach, Cayacosta, Pine Island, that's right where the hurricane made landfall. And I want to thank the listeners who've reached out to me uh, because of that and were concerned and wanted to know about my parents' uh, well-being. They're fine. They're absolutely fine. The house uh, has a few shingles gone, but everything else is in uh, fine shape. And uh, as Jay just mentioned, Hats off and thank you to all the the line workers and construction workers that, uh, for example, Pine Island, the bridge, the causeway to Pine Island was out. They rebuilt that um, in a matter of days. And if you've seen the video or pictures from after the hurricane, you would have thought it would take three, four, five months to get something built. And oh, yeah. it, it took uh, maybe a week and they got a bridge built. And maybe within a few days after that, they had power restored to the island. The original estimates were six months without power. Right. Um, Some of these islands, as you know from your parents' experience, that is the only way on the island is mm -hmm. a causeway bridge or boat or helicopter. And you're right. When you need to get utility trucks, you can't put them on a boat, you know? No. And uh, I'm going to head down next week with my dad. To this, uh, to Pine Island, just to uh, assess the damage and get on the roof, put some tarps down, uh, insurance stuff, just you know, some administrative stuff we need to do, some housekeeping to make sure uh, 
maybe there's not a family of squirrels living on the patio. Right. Um, and uh, maybe maybe in a few upcoming shows, uh, we'll report back on. Uh, you know what? You know what I'll do, Jay. When I'm down there, I'll try to get some interviews with some uh, uh, county officials uh, on how the relief um, efforts are going and and what oh that'd be what, great and what they most need. Uh, and I would guess it's money. Um, and a great way to do it would be to go to that website we were just talking about, um, or search out uh, a charitable effort or organization that you trust. And Jay and I always mention this, make sure you uh, check, uh, is it charitynavigator.org? Yeah, charitynavigator.org is very helpful to steer you to the most valid uh, and effective charities. Uh, When we say effective, you know, there's the famous story, a number of charities about 15 years ago when there wasn't as much overview, it was determined that maybe 50 to 60 percent of the proceeds went to the overhead of the organization. And while that's not the end of the world, you just really say, man, my dollar is not really going where it needs to go. And then the other thing is uh, what Charity Navigator helps you steer away from are these scams that unfortunately crop up overnight, taking advantage of people's uh, well-meaning, uh, but they're scams. Yeah, and, and you can guarantee when there's a natural disaster or cause for uh, a telethon or a relief fund or charity – you can guarantee that there will be scammers come out of the woodwork yes. to try to get a piece of that pie. Uh, so charitynavigator.org is a great uh, resource to make sure the money you're giving to is going to a, a reputable organization. All right, Jay Baker, what's happening in your world? Well, Harvard University just released a new study about social interaction, and uh, they uh, are pointing to Uh, As you go through life, you should try to create diverse social relationships. And basically what that means is, is be a little bit more outgoing, possibly at work. If you work at a big organization, maybe get to know some of your coworkers that you don't interact with as much. Uh, interact with your people that are engaged with your hobby. Well, you know, we tend to talk to family members, but sometimes if you review your circle of friends and circle of acquaintances, you realize, oh, I'm only talking to perhaps the same six to 10 people day in and day out. And they said you can actually be much happier by creating a sort of wider circle, if you will. That's great advice. Yeah, walk up to some uh, cubicle you don't normally walk up to and uh, strike up a conversation and see if you can wa- broaden your horizons. And well, I think one of the best ways to get to meet people is borrow money from strangers. <laughs> oh, wait, that's a misprint. Uh, <laughs> I think it's funny. It's funny you mentioned you know the, the, you, you, the same six people you talk to tend to get boring after a while. <laughs> You already know all uh, their nonsense. You yeah. don't want to hear it anymore. I don't need to see yeah. that guy anymore. I think that point is well taken. At any rate, uh, here was one of their findings, and I thought this was interesting. We all have a desire to sort of share more uh, more authentically with people. You don't have to bare your soul to total strangers, but you actually might share deeper conversations with people outside your traditional network. Hmm. And I thought that that was kind of cool. That it is. gives you a chance to sort of share kind of, you know, the stuff that is meaningful to you. 
I'm going to try it today, uh, maybe in the next week. I'm, I'm going to challenge myself to go uh, talk to somebody that I don't normally talk to. Broaden my yeah. horizons. Social there interaction. You go. And you'll be happier for it. And I'll be, I will be happier for it. <laughs> Hundreds of Paddington Bears were left outside uh, Windsor Castle and even public parks in London uh, to mourn the passing of Queen Elizabeth. Well, they are going to take those Paddington Bears and send them off for charity. Great idea. Paddington, of course, became somewhat famous because he was featured uh, in the Platinum Jubilee celebration, 75 years of Queen Elizabeth's reign. And uh, Paddington was actually portrayed uh, as uh, having lunch with uh, Queen Elizabeth. And did you ever see that video? I I did not know, but I can imagine. Yeah. Well, supposedly they said uh, one of the observer said it's the first time that someone was allowed to keep their hat on while dining with the queen because <laughs> he's a cute teddy bear so of course you know yeah uh, i would love to see uh you know a mountie come in and, and yell at the bear to take his, his <laughs> take his hat off so uh, hundreds of, now they're your... going to give these uh to charity are they going to auction them off or are they well, just going to give gonna... them to kids that need them they are going to professionally clean these bears that have been left outside and give them to Barnado's Children's Charity, which is apparently a large United Kingdom-based charity that helps children. That is a fantastic story. Now, we've talked about uh, that you and I love fundraisers that have interesting uh, twists to them. I think the one that you really got engaged about was the downhill 1k run because you know there's so many 5 and 10k runs why run that far when you can have as much fun and exert as least effort as possible and still raise money for charity and you know my complaint about uh the 5k 10k runs i've done is that they are a level and b portions of them are uphill so if you're going to get me a 1k run for charity that the only way that could be better is if it's downhill. <laughs> 1K downhill run. So far, that's the one that's like, oh, my. But I think you're going to like this one. Okay. Uh, a formal wear football game in Boston raises money for Operation Delta Dog. I like And it. they've been doing this for a long, long time. Operation Delta Dog is an organization that helps vets by training service dogs for veterans who have PTSD issues or might have traumatic brain injury issues, they actually get these service dogs in the hands of vets. Oh, I love it. And, uh, you know, formal wear, are, you're talking uh, tuxedos? Yes, we're talking about <laughs> gentlemen playing football in tuxedos. They say it's quite a visual event. I did see some pictures from it, but formal wear football. And uh, it was founded by a gentleman who uh, had some college football experience. Cameron uh, Cameron Miller helped create the game while a student in Boston in 2009. And it's been going strong ever since. 
And I'm guessing it's flag football. You don't want to get uh, you know full yeah, I, I one thousand percent painful hits going on when you in your in your James Bond tuxedo. Nothing yeah. worse than some blood on your white uh, collar. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but they say that uh, no piece of formal wear uh, goes unscathed. Apparently, there's a lot of mud, grass stain, and fabric tears. Is how they describe fabric it. tears. Now, yeah. they have to they have to make them wear the those patent leather shiny tuxedo shoes. I would I, think that that would be mandatory. I, I don't know how you could gain a yard in the mud, <laughs> but uh, maybe they let them wear cleats. But those, uh, yeah, the tuxedo shoes. I mean, I fall down wearing those on carpet. Well, they're so shiny <laughs> on the bottom side. I mean, I appreciate the fact that they're. You know they look nice, but yeah, I've I've taken many a dip and slide while wearing a, a ill-fitted rental tux. I, I will can, admit, you can barely dance on on the tile dance floor in those shoes. I can't imagine <laughs> running a ten yard out with those things. I'm on. sure sure somewhere paramedics are going. Uh, please do not wear those shoes and dance, please. I love that. Uh, though. That's a great cause. I love football yeah. and any sort of quirky thing. And that, that'd be a fun uh, way to spend an afternoon to watch the game, raise money for uh, veterans to uh, help train their service dogs. I'm going to put a link to that on our website as well. Operation Delta Dog. Yeah, Operation Delta Dog. They, this uh, formal wear football game has raised over $60,000 over the last seven years. So yeah, they have a lot of fun and it helps veterans. Wonderful. Here's a story. Uh, I just had to mention it to you because you're about to go uh, in an area where there's an ocean. You are going to go visit your parents' home and sort of assess the damage. They were very close to where the hurricane struck land. Uh, But I have a buddy that will not go in the ocean under any set of circumstances because (laughs) his claim is, you know, there's huge fish in there. Now, I feel that huge fish wouldn't come too close to the shore. And I'm sure there's exceptions to that rule. But Mm -hmm. I figure if you go in shoulder height, you're probably not going to encounter a whale. Just my thought. But they just caught the biggest fish ever. It weighed nearly three tons. It was a giant sunfish found off the coast of Portugal. And how deep? In three feet of water? <laughs> well, yeah. hopefully Blows it was far theory. enough off the coast that, you know, that the fish could swim around. But, yeah, you always hear the stories. You know, there's really big fish, and it's hard to, you know, quantify really big fish, you know. Uh, but uh, I'd say three, three tons. tons. Yeah. Yeah, that's the new Guinness record, believe it or not. Uh, it, it was found to be a half ton heavier than the previous record set in 1996 off the coast of Japan. Once again, that J- Japanese fish was a giant sunfish who typically get about 14 feet long and weigh in around 5,000 pounds. Wow. How many? Think, uh, about, how, think about how many fish sticks that would how, be. How many families could that feed? Uh, yeah. On well, at a fish fry. And for anybody that's been to a scout camp or one of those great fishing camps, can you imagine having to fillet that thing? <laughs> I don't know how they pulled that fish into the boat. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. Yeah. I mean, just getting it aboard is, is tough. Um, and you got to be careful if the line could snap while you're pulling in a three ton fish. Talk about you're going to need a bigger boat. Uh, three Absolutely. Tons. Okay. 
a new research using uh, there is some new research that says using reusable contact lenses might contribute to a corneal infection that has been linked to blindness. And this has sort of come up lately uh, because almost everybody postponed uh, doctor and eye doctor and dentist visits during the pandemic. So this has kind of cropped up. This particular research was done in, uh, in the United Kingdom. And Adam, are you a contact lens wearer? Yes. And this, this is my nightmare. You are bringing up my, my nightmare here. I, I wear the reusable contacts. You can wear them overnight. Right. Uh, I believe the recommended uh, usage is, is about a week, five to seven days, and then you throw them away and get a new pair. And I, like many contact wearers listening to the show right now, go way over the week. Way right. over the week limit, uh, the recommended time. So, and uh, you know, my my contact uh, brethren here listening will uh, will will smile and nod when when you get to that last pair of contacts before you have to order a new batch. That's the pair that you end up wearing for weeks. Yeah, way too long. As maybe we like months. To say. Maybe you're like, oh, I gotta buy new contacts. And then you just maybe you take them out and and you know, wash them off or spray them with saline overnight and then put them back in the next day. But I, in the back of my mind, I'm always thinking, what kind of damage is going on here? I hope I'll be able to see when I'm 95 years old. This is my nightmare. So thank you, Jay. Well, this came up. So I just, I don't want you to spend a lot of money on contacts, but the guideline they said was it's really important to always follow what are the recommended usages, either from the manufacturer or from your optometrist. And say again, the research shows that um, wearing them longer than recommended could lead to blindness. Could you be more specific? (laughs) Well, basically what it's saying is uh, (laughs) using reusable contact lenses uh, against manufacturers' warnings may not be particularly good for you. Research showed that 30 to 60% of eye infections could be avoided if you just switch to daily disposable lenses. So have you ever been approached for daily disposable lenses? I No, I haven't. Uh, I haven't uh, I'll haven't. i have to ask my eye doctor about that one. I, I would be interested yeah, in that. Yeah, I, I think um, that's the new kind of uh, trend, and that way you're sort of insured of safety and you're sort of discarding uh, the stuff that can cause your eye problem over the long term. And when I go to the eye doctor, they'll say, how long do you wear your contacts? And I'll say, oh, on average, two weeks. And they know I'm lying. They they know <laughs> that means uh, at the shortest, two weeks. <laughs> yeah. And, and maybe on average, three to four weeks. They know um, what's up. They know. They see how bloodshot my eyes are. And they're, they're looking into my brain through that magnifying glass where they shine the light in your eye they can see what's going on they know i'm lying i oh uh, yeah i'm gonna i'm not gonna sleep tonight jay thank you very much i for letting me know that i'm gonna get eye infections possibly blindness over the next 30 to 40 years of my life because of the reusable contacts that i wear too long i like to help people feel reassured that's one thing i feel like i'm really good at it was funny you mentioned that as we delayed all these doctor visits as you know, the common questions you get asked during health exams are, you know, hey, how often do you exercise? 
uh, how many alcoholic beverages might you have in a week? Blah, blah, blah. You know, and you and I know that some good storytelling begins with questions like that. And your doctor knows. <laughs> he's, right. He's already weighed you. He's already taken your blood pressure. So the, oh, I only have two beers a week. <laughs> Guess what? He knows. He knows. He's looking at your, he knows. your he's looking at your vital signs. He knows you've been wearing those contacts for six weeks and he knows you had seventeen beers last week. <laughs> That's right. He's he's up to speed on what you're doing to yourself. Uh does the name Paul Allen ring any bells for you? Uh Paul Allen. I, my initial gut reaction was something to have has something to do with football. Paul Allen, and yes, you're right, that sounds like a football name. Paul Allen was the co-founder of Microsoft. And while <laughs> I wasn't even close. No, you weren't even close, but he was he he did own part of the Seattle Seahawks at one point. Oh, so, okay. Well, they, so there they, you they go. Had something to do with football. Yeah, he okay. did have something to do with football, and that's a very traditional name. I to me, he was always a very fascinating character because um, many people say that he was really behind the actual touch and feel of Microsoft, and that uh, you know uh, Gates really was better at overseeing and project managing, but that Paul Allen was sort of the secret sauce behind Microsoft. Now, you, know, you, you mentioned up, that's up for debate. You mentioned Gates. That wouldn't be Bill Gates that played running back uh, for Bill. the Chicago Bears in 1967, was it? Bill Gates, who played alongside Mike Singletary back yeah. in the 80s. Okay. Yes, absolutely. Uh, but uh, Paul Allen became insanely wealthy off of uh, his involvement with Microsoft, and uh, he has always been a very philanthropical guy, to which extent I hadn't even known. But Paul, over his lifetime, gave away $2.65 billion. Oh, my goodness. That is an unbelievable amount of money. I know. It's unbelievable. And they say the saga continues for Paul Allen. He was... Uh, a very enthusiastic art collector. And he had in his art collection, you know, Van Gogh's and Monet's and all kinds of French uh, artists that became famous during the Renaissance. Um, and he had an amazing art collection. Well, they are going to be auctioning that off over the next few weeks through the Christie's auction house. And did he, uh, forgive me, but did he recently pass away or? Um... He did. Uh, Paul passed away in 2018. Okay. And they're going to auction off his art collection. I can't imagine that's probably worth somewhere between um, $135 on up. Yeah. There's a couple of paint by numbers in there that it would fetch an easy 10 bucks My at goodness. a Re Renaissance Center Fair. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's pretty amazing stuff. They say that the total collection is valued at just a little bit over a billion dollars. B with a B. My goodness, the, yeah, yeah. The, the, this is uh, that is an amazing legacy for for the Paul Allen family, uh, inching towards that's inching towards four billion dollars. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. His life is very interesting. If you ever get a little spare time, look up Paul Allen. Cause I thought he was one of the, the, he was one of the cool kids, if you will, uh, during the tech boom, uh, that gave birth to Microsoft and so many famous companies. Uh, this, uh, 
art sale is going on through Christie's and the first lot of paintings go up for sale on November the 9th. And I know my good friend, Adam Ritz, uh, as he's always said with these uh, real highbrow auctions is bid early, bid often. Yeah. And don't be afraid to uh, drive the price up, you know, if, yeah. if, especially if you don't have the money to buy it, just keep bidding hoping that somebody else bids after you. <laughs> well, my hard limit is always 75 bucks, but I'm going to do my best to buy some Paul Allen art. And again, just to make me look like not a complete moron, Paul Allen uh, most notably was a co-owner of the Seattle uh, Seahawks. <laughs> yeah, see? So that makes you feel better. He, he was involved with football. He was involved with football. Correct. Okay. And he loves Seattle sports in general. In fact, uh, I think during Seattle Mariners' worst seasons ever, I remember uh, Paul Allen being sort of their sole cheerleader. Uh, you know, there's uh, there's always tragic sports tales, and the Seattle Mariners were one of the more inept teams in baseball history. They're, I think they're doing okay nowadays, but uh, I thought it was interesting that uh, – only the did, team owner loved the team. So did I conflate the uh, Seahawks with the Mariners? He was part owner well, no, of the Mariners? No, he was, he was engaged with, I think, all three of the sports oh, okay. franchises in Seattle. Yeah, professional sports. super cool. Super uh, interesting. Uh, awesome. Okay, Jay, we're going we're gonna to hit up the, uh, the Halloween special next week. Uh, for now, I want to thank you for coming on, and uh, special thanks to our listeners. Uh, we love when you uh, hang out with us. You can contact me through uh, – there's an email form right on the website if you'd like to get in touch and uh, let us know what you think of the show or give us some new topics to talk about. We'll talk about anything that has anything to do with public affairs. That website is adamritzshow.com. The Adam Ritz Show is recorded live in studio at the Vibonomics Worldwide Headquarters. Learn more about the Vibonomics Audio Out-of-Home Marketplace at Vibonomics.com. For information on this broadcast, including past on-demand episodes, interview submissions, and syndication contacts, visit AdamRitzShow.com.